You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So today's episode is exciting. Okay, I know, they're all exciting. But today is, we kind of have a famous guest on today, everybody. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Like, I feel like I got street cred now. So we are going to learn from none other than Tom Viola, founder and CEO of Pharmacology Declassified. Tom, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Amanda, for having me. This is a great opportunity. I, we met at, uh, of all places, ADHA, and I was happy enough to be introduced to you there. And I'm looking forward to doing the podcast with you. The more, the better. I, let's say let's do one of these every week. How about that? I'd love it. Absolutely. I tell you, couldn't we just, I mean, pharmacology, I got to tell you, it's kind of a toughie. Uh, and, uh, but the way that you teach it and present it, I've been in many of your lectures and listened to many podcasts with you and different things. And you do help it feel more accessible and understandable. I, I don't feel like I'm back in hygiene school where I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because pharmacology is the subject people love to hate. And so uh, I, I, my job is to make it easy and understandable and practical. So hopefully I get that done. Absolutely. And pharmacology is that one thing that when you tell patients that you took pharmacology or you tell people, you know, when they find out you're a hygienist, they're like, wait, what? You know that stuff? You're like, yeah, man, I know a <laughs> exactly. lot of stuff. I'm really smart. Exactly. So, so, well, how did how did how did you go from being a pharmacologist to now being like the hygienist's pharmacologist? Because that's what I'm going to call you right now. Well, it was an interesting thing. I, I was always a pharmacist. That's how I started out in life. And then um, I decided to go back to school because I really didn't enjoy pharmacy filling prescriptions as much as I thought. So I went back and got my credentials and went to pharmacology. Uh, and then from there, I wanted to specialize. So I specialized in dentistry because one of my first interactions in, in my pharmacology you know, world was uh, in dentistry. And I realized that dentists and hygienists really could use pharmacology, but it's such an overwhelming topic. They don't use it as much as they could. So this was, to me, you know, the golden opportunity to, to make a difference in the world. Well, I am so happy that that happened because you are right. That's exactly what we needed. So, okay, so you're going to talk about the top five things to look for on a medical history for a patient with cardiovascular disease. And frankly, we said we might just have to do multiple ones of these for each different thing we find on a medical history because I think we came up with maybe like a year's worth of topics, really, Tom. <laughs> I think we did because, you know, there's always those five uh, health systems, those those five um, organ systems that, that really matter uh, in patients' overall health. It's always cardiovascular, uh, and then it's always, you know, uh, diabetes or endocrine, really, and then it's uh, GI, respiratory, and central nervous system. Those, to me, are, are the organ systems that matter the most as far as uh, overall health, but also impact on dental therapy and treatment planning. So, yeah, with your blessing, Amanda, what everybody else is listening to us, I think it would be great to do like a podcast on each one and then break out the top five of those five, right? So for each one, say, okay, for cardiovascular disease, what are the top five things a, a dental professional, hygienist, dentist, assistant, 
should be looking for in a patient who's, who says, I have cardiovascular disease or actually has it based on your information in the medical history? Yeah. I, so often I think, you know, in hygiene, we always feel so rushed. You're like, okay, cardiovascular disease, check. All right. Now let me move on to, you know, the oral cancer screening, as opposed to taking a second to be like, okay, what does that mean? How do I apply this for this patient? And so a top five is ideal because I can put a top five in my brain. So, all right, Excellent. well, let's launch into the top five. What's number one? So number one, I call this the uh, the, the six minutes to insanity. Okay. So it's, you, you walk in the op, if you're, no matter who, if it's the hygienist, the dentist, the assistant, you know, you, in my opinion, just based on my observations, you've got six minutes to look at a medical history and really come up with it. What is it about this patient that's going to impact the treatment plan? What's going to, what's going to affect as far as overall health? So let, let, let's say I'm looking at a patient's medical history and I see a lot of blanks. I want to fill that in. Okay. So what are the top five things that I, I'd be looking for? Number one, I'd definitely be looking for vital signs. Okay. If you've got a patient with, with cardiovascular disease, based on what they've told you or what you've gleaned from their medical history and their medications, you got to take their blood pressure and pulse. You got to. I, I know it's hard. Believe me, I'm no ivory tower academic. I might teach at 16 schools, but I'm not the guy that says, you know, do it my way, you know, and, and I don't care if you're busy. I get what it's like to be in an op. I get what it's like to be working every day. And I've often said in a dental office, you know, if you walk in the, in the morning with a schedule and you walk out at night with your skin still attached to your bones, you've had a good day, right? <laughs> totally. So I know it's I know it's busy. So get a good team around you, right? Build a good team around you. Get good people around you. Use automation. I like cuffs. People say they don't like automated cuffs. They don't like wrist cuffs. They don't like arm cuffs. They're not accurate. They're, they're you know, they're, okay. Maybe so, but I'd rather have a reading from a cuff that's been automated that may not be as accurate as I'd like it to be versus nothing in the chart every day of the week. And for that matter, I'll be the first one to tell you, I've taken blood pressures. I think using a sphygmometer and a stethoscope is can be just as subjective and maybe not as accurate uh, as we might think. So uh, I, I like blood pressure and pulse just so I know. Is the blood pressure high? Why? Okay. There's no good reason for your patient to have high blood pressure in your chair. Absolutely not. If they have hypertension, it should be controlled with medication, right? So everyone sitting in your chair should have normal blood pressure. There's three excuses why they have it, and that's the three we have to watch out for. First one is the patient has hypertension and doesn't know it. Number two, the patient has hypertension, knows it, is on medication, but doesn't take the medication. Or three, the patient has hypertension, they know it, they're on medication, and guess what? They uh, take the wrong ones. And that's very, it's more common than you might think. So as a result of that, I, I want to know what your blood pressure is. I want to know what your pulse is too. Is the pulse bounding? Does it feel like, you know, it, it's weak? Those are things I want to know because they give me a, a sense of your overall cardiovascular function. And then along with that, the one other vital sign, most people get confused by this, I like to listen. I want to listen to respirations. I want to listen to how you're breathing because if, if you've got a, a, a breathing uh, echo or you've got you've got this this raspiness, if you've got this sort of almost gurgling uh, in your lungs, I want to know what that's caused by. Is, is that railing caused by asthma that's been undiagnosed, COPD that's been undiagnosed, or is it congestive heart failure? All three of those matter to me, so I want to know where you are in the process because. I've learned over the course of time that dentists, hygienists, and assistants are probably the greatest diagnosticians that get the least credit because you pick up on diseases that people have and even they don't know it. 
you know, I also want to know where their air is coming from. Are they mouth breathing or are they nasal breathing? And so that's a whole nother thing Absolutely. to look for in your respirations, because then we can also look at other airway issues. So Couldn't yeah. have said it better. That's exactly right. I mean, where, where are you getting your air from? Uh, and, and that matters too, because as we all know, you can't give nitrous to a patient with COPD. I mean, there's, there's lots of considerations. So those are simple things to, to do while you're getting set up, when a, while, you're, while the blood pressure cuffs work and you're listening, you know, you're trying to, and listening to the patient speak, you know, are they nasal, uh, would a nasal cannula be a problem if they're, if they're really stuffy? Uh, all those things matter. And it's all a, a couple of minutes really to, to, to get that all under your belt as far as information you need. Absolutely. All right. Well, what's number two? So second would be, you know, in my mind, medications, right? So, and I'm going to break that out and, and fill in the blanks for the remaining, you know, five. Okay. So what kind of medications matter the most? And you can access all this information, by the way, if you want more depth, just go to my website. I have a course called Unbreak My Heart. And now, you know me as a speaker, I name all my courses after song titles and movie titles, anything to get your attention because pharmacology sucks, right? So we want to make it as interesting as we can. And so, uh, all these medications matter, but let me give you the highlights. So number one on my list would be a diuretic. Uh, as my instructors in school told me very often, since they knew I was born with a small brain capacity, um, your patient has hypertension because they have too much blood and their pipes are too small. Okay, so what does that mean, too much blood? Well, it means too much fluid, right? So over the course of time, we accumulate fluid. We use a diuretic to pull fluid out and that would reduce our blood volume and that would lower the pressure, right? Less fluid in the system, less pressure. But the net result of that is what? You're pulling water out of the body and the one place you can bet that's gonna have an impact is the oral cavity, right? So xerostomia, lacking simply sensational saliva means you're at risk for caries and decay and advancing periodontal disease and all the other good stuff that goes along with it, right? All of that good stuff. All right, well, what's number yeah. two? So number two or is, three. Is, I guess we're on three. Sorry. Yeah, we're all over the place because that's what I like to do, man. It's confuse yeah. people, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the next would be calcium channel blockers, right? People, especially Norvasc. That's a pretty popular one. Uh, again, it goes in line with what my, my teachers told me. They said, you know, too much blood. Okay, get rid of some fluid. Your pipes are too small. Get bigger pipes. How? Use a vasodilator. And calcium channel blockers are essential as vasodilators. You know, they, they do a great job in opening up the vasculature and allowing the blood to flow more easily. That lowers your blood pressure. Okay. Why I want to know about Norvasc and calcium channel blockers specifically, though, is that they do more than treat hypertension. They're also used to treat angina, and they're also used to treat uh, arrhythmia. So all of a sudden, you're on Norvasc. I don't really know why you're taking it. And that leads to me asking more questions. And one of the uh, things I always harp on with my students is, how do you take a good medical history? It's all about the three questions. First one is, what do you take? Right? I don't say medication. I don't say drug. I say, what do you take? Then, why do you take it? And then, did you take it today? Oh. So, the why do you take it tells me more about you. And if you don't know, well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find out because... I, I want to know if you treat, it's, it's to me, it's three different treatment plans. If it's hypertension, arrhythmia, or angina, that's three different treatment plans right there. Absolutely. Um, All right. Well, what's number four? Uh, so beta blockers come up next. And beta blockers are important because a lot of people use them to control hypertension because they have a lot of stress. Uh, and so if I know that about you, if I know you're using beta blockers for stress, 
then I know that in, in treating you, I'm going to try to put you in the, the least noisy operatory. You know, maybe if I have the opportunity to do so, keep the lights turned down low, keep the distractions to a minimum, because I want to make the experience as least stressful for you as possible. Uh, but again, with beta blockers, they can be used for multiple things too. Like they can be used for angina and arrhythmia as well. But then again, I don't have a 10 and a half double E mouth for no reason. Okay. I stick my foot in my mouth all the time because somebody may be taking a beta blocker because they have headaches, migraine headaches, or they might have, you know, other issues uh, that like tremor. So if you tell me you're on a beta blocker, I need to know why. Uh, again, that, that's, the, that's the point of asking. But here's the thing with beta blockers. Beta blockers mask the signs and symptoms sometimes of hypoglycemia. So if you've got a diabetic patient who takes a beta blocker, which is not uncommon, uh, and, and they go hypoglycemic, you may not get the usual signs and symptoms that you're used to, like uh, uh, sweating and palpitations and shakiness. So all matters in the treatment plan because you know your patients love to eat a full meal before they come to see you, right? Of course they do. Of Absolutely. course, right. Because yeah, yes. they don't mind if they, you find food jammed in their teeth, right? So, of course, they eat a full meal and they don't go hypoglycemic. I wish that was the case. Yeah. All right. Well, what's number five? I think we're on five. <laughs> yeah, we're up. We're getting there. <laughs> Cholesterol medications, right? So everybody knows them as the statins, right? Okay, so what is it about a statin you need to know? So statins can cause muscle pain. And everybody knows that because, you know, cholesterol is the grease for your muscles. It makes your muscles move smoothly. So without it, you get muscle pain. But what kind of muscle pain? And people always associate that with charlie horses in their legs and, and pains in their arms. But the muscles of mastication can also be right affected as well. And therefore, people can have jaw pain that's due to their statin. That's not of dental origin. Whoa, I didn't know that. And for that matter, while we're on the topic, people could have jaw pain from angina and not know they have angina. I mean, if I woke up every morning, let's say out of seven mornings, I woke up with five of them with jaw pain. Where would I go to get that checked out? I don't think I'd call my doc. I'd, I'd go to the dental office because that's where the pain is. But in the meantime, it's, it's angina. So I'm a ticking time bomb. Or I, I, it's a statin-related muscle pain, and that my doc needs to know that because maybe the doc needs to lower the dose or change out my drug to something else that causes me less pain. And I'm thinking that patient calls, and I'm going to say, oh, you're probably under a lot of stress, and you've been clenching and grinding. It's fine. No big deal. Use some warm compresses. It'll be good. So what you're telling me is I really need to, to stop for a hot second, grab a medical history, and pay attention to what's going on because it could be more than you know, the easy, the easy way out. Dental professionals save lives every day. Uh -huh. Honestly, man, uh, you, you guys don't know how, how valuable you are to the whole team. And, and sometimes you don't get enough credit for what you do, but that, a little thing like that makes a huge difference in that patient's life. That's Absolutely. huge. All right. So we've had five, but I have a feeling you have more than five. I'm going to go with two more. How about okay. that? Because I feel like lucky seven today. How about uh -oh. that? <laughs> so, Tom's a rebel, everybody. <laughs> so anticoagulants. You're asking me, you can't talk about cardiovascular disease without talking about anticoagulants. And you know that, uh, and antiplatelet agents for that matter. So you know like the standbys are what? Plavix and aspirin, right? Uh, and then some of the older anticoagulants like Coumadin and Pradoxa. And now we have some newer ones, Xarelto, Eliquis, and my new drug, my favorite drug of all time that I love so much based on its name is Cerveza, but I call it Cerveza. 
Yeah, Everybody it sounds like a beer in Spanish. It is. I know, right? <laughs> so it, that's my favorite drug now. I love it. So, uh, okay, what do I need to know about these, Tom? Well, I'm going to go back to the old question, which is what? I got a patient on an antiplatelet agent or an anticoagulant. Do you tell them to stop taking it prior to a dental procedure? Right. Do I? And and most of the common information out there, most of the current knowledge in this says no. As a matter of fact, if you go to the ADA's website, it says don't do it. But I can make the case either way. So for general dentistry and dental hygiene, I could say, well, if it's not invasive, if it's not an extraction, probably not going to tell them to stop taking it. Just keep taking it. We'll be conservative in our measures. We'll work around the, the, the bleeding and we'll use hemostats. But if it's oral surgery, uh, if it's a full mouth extraction, a sinus lift, and those are things that are more bloody. And, and again, I would reach out and take a, a get a consult. I would reach out and take a partner with the cardiologist. Now, the minute I say that, people say to me, yeah, but the cardiologist is the first one to say, tell them to stop taking it. I know. But I would still take a partner because that can be life-threatening. Uh, I always look at it this way. You can always treat a bleed. You can't treat a clot. And hopefully that helps in understanding, okay, I really got to pay a, a close attention and really got to be worthwhile to stop an anticoagulant. So does the benefit outweigh the risk? Excellent. All right. Well, what's number seven? The last one, lucky seven, is the drug digoxin. Uh, it's not a drug that many people know about because the name sounds a little foreign, but digoxin is a drug that's taken by people with congestive heart failure. And digoxin is is something that when you're on that drug, everyone knows you have congestive heart failure. And so what is congestive heart failure? It's To me, it's the, and I don't mean to insult anybody who has a family member who has it or you have it, whatever. Uh, it's the end of the line. You know, it's it's the end of the line for cardiovascular disease. Your heart is failing. And so we've got to treat you with extra TLC and we got to make sure we do everything we can to support you. Uh, but it also means what? It also means that all of your organs are failing. I tell my students this all the time, congestive heart failure is not heart failure. It's all organ failure because if the heart's failing, all your organs are failing. They're not getting enough oxygen to operate at full peak efficiency. Uh, and in addition to that, the drug digoxin has some interesting oral considerations. So number one, it doesn't cause xerostomia like every other of the thousand drugs that cause xerostomia. Uh, it causes hypersalivation. It causes drooling. Uh, again, if I'm taking my medication and I'm starting to drool, where, where would I go to have somebody check that out? I, I might come see my dentist, hygienist, or assistant and say, I don't know what's going on. I'm making too much saliva. So that's one thing. Now, to apply that to clinical practice, if you've got a patient on digoxin and they're drooling, you're going to use, I imagine, suction, right? Saliva ejector, right? To, to suck out all that extra saliva. But the other problem with digoxin is it causes an increased gag reflex. So if you're not careful where you stick the saliva ejector, you'll be sucking up more than saliva, like you know, breakfast. Like, oh, I see you had the eggs and sausage this morning. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> not good. Uh, and the last little tidbit about the Joxin is it causes light sensitivity. So if the patient uh, is taking the Joxin, sometimes bright lights really bother them. They're, they're very disorienting. And boy, if there's one thing we have in a dental office, it's bright lights, uh, the one on the chair, the one between our eyes. So it's all about patient comfort at that point. And keeping the patient comfortable in chair means maybe, you know, keeping the light out of their eyes as much as possible. Those are amazing tips. I got to tell you, I have just learned so much today in this podcast. I, I can't thank well, you enough, Tom. Let's review your top 
seven. So number one is vital signs. Yes. And that includes blood pressure, pulse, and respirations. Okay, we're going to look for that. Number two, we're getting the meds. So we're going to start to go look at diuretics. Number three was calcium channel blockers. Number four was beta blockers. Number five was cholesterol meds. Number six was anticoagulants. And number seven was digoxin. I got to tell you, I'm now, wow. I See, I learned so much. It's like- Well, thank you. It's like you're a walking PDR. Do we even have the Listen, PDR anymore? I don't, not any, I, I don't think it's made anymore. Now it's only electronic version. But see, that's the beauty of this, Amanda, is that this, this is what I learned from hygienists. So I, I, I know pharmacology, but I learned about the practical side of things from, from people like you, dental professionals, hygienists, dentist assistants, who, who teach me so much. So I'm just giving back, and I, I enjoy it very much. I love it. So I can teach. So we know more than uh, just, you know, how to brush and floss. Like I can teach you how to use a water pick and how to, you know, keep the, the your pockets clean and all that good stuff. But we can also like learn from each other with this uh, whole pharmacology thing. I love it. Absolutely. And I, I enjoy the time I spend and, and I, I'm looking forward to doing more, you know, whatever I can do to educate, whatever I can do to help. To me, it's a blessing. So count me in for more. I love it. I love it. Well, we all know. um that you know, we can find you on the web, but how, what's the best way to uh, kind of grab you if we want to have more questions or we want to know about this course you're taking or you're well, giving? You know, I, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Everybody knows that who knows me. So they know that if they're going to find my website, it's going to be my name because that's about the only thing I could come up with. So if you want to find me, it's tomviola.com. Not very hard at all. I like uh, it. Mine's amandahillrdh.com. So we're good. <laughs> See, that has a little more creativity. I'll give you that. I did throw the RDH in there. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. Uh, and I, I, you can check out my website. It's got uh, all my information, my blog posts, uh, my podcasts, uh, uh, my articles that I've written, uh, all, all and CE courses that you can take online anytime for credit, including the course that's on cardiovascular drugs, which a lot of this information is expanded upon. It's called Unbreak My Heart. So check out my website, find courses, like I said, find information, and everywhere on social media at Pharmacology Declassified. So find me there too. Love to connect with you. That is so fantastic. Thank you, Tom. And, and uh, my friend Deb Carrier from Twice as Nice Uniforms also uh, would like to uh, give a hello and a shout out because, you know, I love Debbie. Family. Debbie, if you're listening, I miss you. Let's get together sometime and, and, and tell me all about what's new in your world because I haven't talked to you in like a dog's life. So there looking you go. forward to it. Well, awesome. we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five, and I tell you guys, we didn't have time to get to all of it. So, you know, take the course. Or you have an idea for a whole nother top five. Email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com and we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your dental top five. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 